This week, NFTs are all the rage. Evo Championship Series is joining Sony, and the NFL has found some funding. This is Sunday, uh, March 21st, 2021, and it is episode 590 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat, through one of the podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, uh, and a myriad of other options uh, through our live stream platforms, Livestream.com, Periscope, Twitch, Facebook Live, and YouTube Live, or of course on our website, PlugHitsLive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is you can uh, join us live Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you're not able to join us live, that's okay. You can still go to PlugHitsLive.com slash subscribe and there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live and The Pilch Point. Uh, Plug Hits Live presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, you can find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. Hey, Avram, how are you doing this evening? Uh, decent. Uh, decent is de- better than uh, not. Decent. Just uh, having some tech uh, tech problems today, so uh, that that made me frustrated and I had to walk away for a while, but, uh, uh, just was been trying, I've been trying to set up like a, a Wi-Fi. uh, I've been trying to set up my own raspberry Pi Wi-Fi security camera Okay. that I could, you know, that I could use. And for some reason, the software for it refuses to connect to Wi-Fi, and I don't, I don't understand why. Uh, so that's, that's fun. But, um, you know, it's uh, decent. Uh, doing a lot of programming this week for uh, for work. Doing a lot of soldering this week. Got a lot of got a lot of little um, little boards to solder. A lot of little boards to solder. So um, so that's that's cool. Lots of little like uh, RP twenty forty boards that use the the Raspberry Pi CPU um, that I had to that I had to uh, attach pins to mm. yesterday. I've got more more stuff coming in the mail tomorrow because it's it's like it's like um, shopping for you know something like a PS5 or something. Some of these these cards, some of these like microcontrollers go in and out of I mean they're not expensive like a PS5, but like uh, Adafruit had come out with a new uh, board called the feather rp2040 which we really liked and i and i was and i bought one and i was like oh okay i'm only gonna need one of these and then i got it and i'm like no because every every project that you do you don't want to have to pull it in and out of whatever because then the pins get bad yeah so it's like oh, i'll buy some more no out of they're out of immediately ran out of stock here, when i saw here's two a little, human, I got here's a little bit of a time travel yeah. for you womp womp yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, I haven't heard anybody so. do that to you in a while. Yeah, 
<laughs> oh well. So anyway. Doing that stuff. Yeah, I I remember, and it wasn't that long ago when you were asking the audience for advice on the best way to learn to solder. Uh, and now you're just like, yeah, well, I got, I got a bunch of these things. Oh, to do. I still no need to deal. learn. <laughs> I know it is a big deal. I need, because I can't, I, what I need is here. I'm going to ask the audience again. Does anybody have a, um, a magnifying lamp or something that they use to see better when, uh, when they're working on electronics that they would recommend? Cause that is the problem that I have is that, Unless I stick my face into the smoke, into the fumes, I, uh, it's really hard for me to see. I have got, and now that they're back up and running, it's possible that you might be able to get them again. I have used for many, many years the, um, the double clip magnifying glass stand for soldering uh, from Radio Shack. And now that Radio Shack is back up and running, oh, and they've changed back to the good logo. Thank goodness. Um, you might actually be able to find it again. Yep, absolutely. There are two models of it now. It's called the Helping Hands. Yes, I had, I had, I had one of like the little Helping Hands with the cheap magnifying glass, but it, it kind of fell apart. Okay, so. Well, I, I thought I'd get one of the ones that has like a light and a bendable neck and things like that. Uh, oh, with a bendable neck. Yeah, that that's going to. Yeah, I haven't had one of those. But this one's this one's LED illuminated. It's currently out of stock, though. <laughs> but I've anyway, yeah, I've really been guess... enjoying having Radio Shack back up and running because I, I oftentimes yeah. go check and go. I wonder if they still have I wonder if they've got. This old skew that we used to sell 15 years ago back in stock. Yep. <laughs> Most of the times it's listed again, which is pretty cool. And uh, just as a trick, everybody, uh, when you go to the website, go to a product and then move your mouse off the browser. And instead of the 10% off that they offer you when you first get there, they'll offer you 15% the second time. So <laughs> don't, don't fall for that cool. trick the first time. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, obviously we were off last week. Um, we had some some personal issues to to deal with. Um, I want to say that it has been it's been a it's been a difficult week for myself and my family. But I want to say that the CES community has been so supportive. Um, I've I've got a couple of products coming from some of the companies that we've interviewed over the years that they knew would be able to make uh, my life and my family's lives easier. Um, so I think that's super cool. Um, uh, Gary from Heart Hero, who was on the show this year, has been super, super cool. I really appreciate that. So just wanna, want to once again... <laughs> I know we talked about CES a lot, but, you know, it, it is more than just a show. You know, you, you and I talk about it all the time. Our favorite part of CES is the people, is is getting to see people and, and build these relationships. And uh, 
several of them <laughs> reached out this week, which I really appreciate. So anyway, um, I I just wanted to call that out, especially Gary, because um, he's he has been a bit of a lifesaver for me. So anyway, with that, let's get down to the news of the week. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, trying to get an Xbox, looking for games, or a whole lot more, you can find them all at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. And to find out about that and all the deals that are going on right now, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So there's, we've talked a lot about blockchain over the last couple of years. We have talked about the most common side effect of blockchain, which is cryptocurrency. Um, but one of the side effects that we haven't talked about, uh, because it's just now becoming super popular, um, has been NFTs or non-fungible tokens. Um, the concept is interesting. And if you think about uh, blockchain is, a, is a, a sales ledger, right? That's in, in general terms, it is a, a non-editable uh, transaction ledger. So those transactions are oftentimes related to uh, the purchase and sale of cryptocurrency, but uh, on the Ethereum blockchain, there is this concept of an NFT. And essentially what it is, is a certificate of authenticity, essentially, for a digital good. That could be most commonly it's artwork, music, video clips, things like that. It can be all kinds of other weird stuff. Um, we we saw uh, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, um, mint uh, uh, an NFT for the first tweet ever on Twitter uh, before the verb tweet existed, in fact. Um, uh, so the, the idea is that it is, it's like a certificate of authenticity that says that you own the certificate. Yeah. But what you don't really own is the thing, um, which is weird to me, but some people seem to get it. There's been talk about this is going to change, change the way we think about digital rights ownership, which I don't know is quite uh, true. I... I'm thinking of it more like uh, Beanie Baby. And that's because I don't know what the lifespan of this thing is. They are super valuable right now, depending on what they are. You know, no-name artists doing no-name things isn't going to necessarily fetch a high price for an NFT. But we did see Christie's Auction House sell uh, um, an NFT for 69 million dollars and that doesn't mean that they own the artwork i 
I'm still a little baffled on on where the value lies in this Avram. Do do you know? No, there's no. This is this is uh, this is laughable. Um, there's going to be. I think the problem is it's old, um, old world think. It's offline thinking brought to an online model, right? So people. So when you get more and more digital goods, the problem is that it's hard to create scarcity. So. You know, other other things that are physical goods, it's easy to create scarcity and scarcity creates value for collector's items. Sure. Sure. So 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 do you see this as baseball cards that have survived maintaining value for decades, or are these beanie babies that lasted about six years before the entire thing collapsed? So as it so happens, and I haven't um I don't even really collect them anymore, but I had brought these back from my parents' house and sitting right here, it's a stack of baseball cards, <laughs> right? And that was not planned. Here's the thing, right? And uh, yeah, I've been trying to like find a place to put them away because I don't even, I don't collect baseball cards anymore. But, you know, I collected these back in the 80s. So here's the thing, right? These are physical cards, they mm-hmm. exist, right? Even if they have no value, right? Like half the players in here, no one's no one remembers, right? right? Uh, their cards are worthless, but they're still cards. Mm-hmm. They're still pieces of paper. You could still look on the, at them and get some something out of it, right? Uh, now, there's a whole world of people who I'll never understand who collect things just to have them and not to use them. Yeah, and, Co- and cookie jars. We could argue about whether or not whether or not you should take your pop vinyls out of the box or not. Sure. Sure. But at least you could view them in the box. Right. Because they were smart enough to design the boxes that way. Right. So, so there is, there's at least something there. I take mine out. I don't, I don't care, but the, but it, but that is the question, right? Like, do you, are you buying something to use it? And then the thing appreciates in value, but at least in, it always has some inherent value, right? Mm-hmm. It's always, this has no inherent value whatsoever. Right. There's, it's just like a token of like, hey, you own this and you can say you do. Like that's, it's bragging rights at best, right? Oh, look, I own, I look, I own this. Mm-hmm. So what? So, I mean, on the other hand, it does actually call into question a greater philosophical question, which is, why is anything worth anything? Because uh, because somebody right. has a belief that that it is that, it, that there's value, right? Like it's there's things that we all know have like value because food and has inherent value. Sure. You need it to survive. Sure, you know your your every you know a lot of the things that you need for your basic necessities uh, have some type of inherent value. But when you get to like collectors' items and things like that it's all based on the agreed, as you say, on the agreed value of things. And when it comes to artwork, that's really particularly uh, challenging because it's very easy to reproduce. Well, I don't know, it's very easy, but depending on the artwork, you might just be able to enjoy it by getting a reprint of it or looking at a, right. a picture of it. So 
in in a sense, if you own an original Picasso, but I own a poster of the Picasso, like, I mean, I still think you could probably see differences in the original. Right? Sure. Whereas in this case, I don't, there's like, there's no value. This is a fad. This is going away. That's, that's my, I fault. feel very bad for anyone. I feel slightly bad for people who invest in it. It's, uh, I mean, I'm still not convinced whether or not cryptocurrency is a fad, but at least that's based on, at least that's, that's something it's money. It's being traded. This is, yeah. this is utterly worthless. Yeah. I, I, but you know, I, I'm intrigued by the market. Um, I'm always intrigued by markets. Um, this one is extra intriguing for that reason, because like you said, it's not even like there's a piece of cardboard in your hand. There's not uh, the, the, the examples that I, that I mentioned in, in the, the article are things like um, baseball cards, but not basketball cards. Cause those seem to have never, nobody seems to have ever cared. Um, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, there. Some of them have game, you know. Magic and Pokemon have games behind them. There's things you can do with them. <laughs> so there's there's something. There's a thing there, right? <laughs> but there's not yeah. even a thing here. You don't even like get a physical certificate that you have to send off. You just have this this spot in a ledger somewhere that says that your username owns this token that is tied to a media item, but that you don't own the media item. It's, I don't get it. I, but there is a fascinating craze. I've, I've seen some of my, some of the, the like nerdcore uh, rappers getting in on it. MC Lars announced today that he's, uh, minting a, a token for for the first I think it was the first track on his first album that released 15 years ago and he's, he's only doing Look, one and I'm like okay I, I would too yeah absolutely if you pay me I wouldn't buy one absolutely and that's what's interesting to see these these artists go hmm I can get in on this before it collapses yeah look I mean, I don't know what it costs or what it takes to create an NFT a, of something that you've done. About 150 bucks, give or take. Oh, okay. Well, if he thinks he can make more than 150 bucks on it. I mean, this, this collage of, of photos of the art of the photographer over the last 10 years or whatever it is, uh, brought in $69 million dollars. Uh, a token for Nyan Cat, the you know the Pop Tart Cat with the rainbow, uh, five hundred ninety thousand dollars. <laughs> I don't know. Complete waste. Complete waste of money. <laughs> but you know, whatevs. We will see uh, what happens here. I'm gonna follow this market closely. I don't know if we'll ever talk about it again. Unless we see something significantly crazier than $69 million or somebody's able to explain to me why we should care. Uh, I don't know that we'll ever talk about it again, but I'm going to keep searching for an answer to that question of why should I care? Because I don't have an answer yet. 
And I feel I feel bad. I do want to apologize to the audience that we <laughs> that we don't have an answer to the question, but you know, it is what it is. We're going to try and get one because I am fascinated by weird stuff. Tamagotchis and Tickle Me Elmos. I don't understand these little pogs. I don't. <laughs> They're all so weird and I love to follow them. So we may or may not talk about them again. Probably not. But <laughs> just in case, uh, just in case we don't. Um, I will be searching for you guys for an answer. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices, and you can get a special price uh, right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right. So uh, we have got a fun topic tonight for the Pilch Point, right, Abram? Yes. So uh, before we get into the main topic, uh, I just want to say that we are... Um, a pro, you know, this is, I guess, this is what it takes sitting around for you, sitting around at home for a year. Uh, but this is a uh, nostalgia research time for me. Uh, coming up in April is the 25th anniversary of Tom's Hardware. And so I was looking back at uh, what computers were like 25 years ago. And I was looking back at uh, what they were like nine years ago because we're coming upon my son's birthday. Uh, and He's going to be nine, and I wrote a story about that uh, nine years ago. But before I get to that, I just want your guess. What was the top of what did you get in a top of the line computer in 1996? Oh, in 1996, uh, we must have been 96. I don't know what had had we hit Pentium yet or were we still in the yes okay yes, yes. okay so let's what was the it. fastest Pentium you could get in um March 1996 let's let's say 125 megahertz so apparently the 200 megahertz had just come out <gasps> most that was the high highest of the high was 200 megahertz. There was a, to do this research, I looked at archives of PC mag from 1996 and they didn't necessarily have articles about it. I looked at the ads, like what, what was gateway Clever. gateway 2000 advertising as their top of the line PC. So their top of the line PC cost $8,000. It had a 200 megahertz Pentium. Most things had 150 or 125. It had 64 megabytes of RAM, and it had a 1.6 gigabyte hard drive. That was your $8,000 computer. That's more hard drive than I was expecting, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> that's top of the line, mind you. you know, top, top, top of the line. So um, anyway, 
going back going back a lesser amount of time to 2012 um my son was born in april and it made me think about like well you know how can i predict what technology he's going to use and not going to use in his uh his lifetime and i thought well i'm going to write an article about 15 things that we use we used today today being 2012 that he will never use because by the time he gets to using them uh they'll be they'll be on uh well a couple let's well i got a lot of things wrong uh but i did get a couple things right uh, the number one thing though that i learned from this this exercise is that children start using technology a lot sooner than i thought before i became a parent like I thought, oh yeah, he's not going to be like using computers to like, ten years old or twelve years old or something. Now that kid has been, you know, been using computers since he was like three, so um, and tablets since he was one. So uh, here are the things, but I think it's also instructive that sometimes you think things are going to change in technology more quickly than they do. So one thing I said he would never use uh, is wired home internet. I thought everything would be wireless, uh, wireless by the time he is using it. To be fair, he we we don't have a lot of Ethernet in our house because not a lot of things are located near the router, uh, so we're using Wi-Fi. But uh, certainly he could be using Ethernet because uh, a lot of people are still using it. It is definitely still a thing and it is definitely still a lot faster um still a ton faster than than wi-fi and game you know gaming pcs people still using ethernet if if i had the routing if i could route the wires through my wall i absolutely would be using ethernet in this in this room here uh the next thing i had on my list that he would not use and this is pretty fair because this is kind of dead right now uh is dedic is a dedicated camera uh, that's not part of your phone. Now, it's not fair to say, however, in the world, people are using DSLRs and other high quality cameras, and it looks like that will continue into the foreseeable future. So I don't think that one is really over yet, and he may end up using you know using a DSLR at some some point and, or and you know it something it depends on who you are, right? It, um the yeah. the the standard consumer it is pretty well done with it. I mean, my mother, interestingly, had the purple camera that is in your original article. Um, she had that model, uh, which is fascinating. She had it in pink, but that exact model. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, but. And she has a standalone camera that she never uses. She uses her phone because it's a better camera, um, and it's more yeah. and it's more convenient. But I mean, I am looking into a dedicated camera right now. But we're unfair because the things that we do are not exactly right. consumer. You know, so, so for for true media producers, things are different. But even then. How many people are doing stuff just on their phone? A lot of people, and it's working well. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I use my phone to take professional photos yeah. for, for my job. So, yeah, 
I think point and shoot is is really dead. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now my mother still has to be convinced sometimes <laughs> she has a point and shoot and she has a phone and the phone takes better pictures than the point and shoot, but for some reason she thinks that she's doing something right if she uses the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, uh, speaking of things that only my mother still uses, landline phones was another one on my list. Actually, this is true. This is pretty well true. We don't yeah. have a landline phone. He does see it at his grandmother's house, though. So he knows what it is. <laughs> but uh, I think a lot of people, I, I'd be curious to, I haven't looked at the statistics, but I bet you that. Um, that the numbers on landline phones are way down, but for the fact that cable companies are continue to push people to get their, you know, I would consider these landline also to get their VoIP, yeah. VoIP phones. Uh, yeah, because we, we deliberately requires, go out of our way not to. It still requires that you have, you know, a Panasonic or a whatever phone plugged in with an RJ11 right. or an RJ25 plug. Right. So yeah, that, it's still right. like whether, landline as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, whether it's copper whether it's going into copper wire, it's going to your router, it's still a landline phone in, in my view. And yeah, we do we don't have one. I remember when I I remember a couple of things when I was in college, I had a really good friend of mine made a couple of predictions which turned out to be pretty pretty prescient. He said, you know, in a few years, he said, in a few years, there will be no home phones. You won't call someone and ask to speak to someone like, hello, you know, can I speak to Scott? Mm-hmm. You'll just call their phone directly. Uh, true. And he also said that uh, everything would be open 24 hours. He said all the stores would be open 24 hours. Everything would be 24 hours. Well, if you count the internet, that's sort of true. Yeah. You you can't roll into GameStop for as long as it still exists at three in the morning, but um, but there are a lot of twenty four hour stores, and you absolutely in the internet is a twenty four hour store. Yeah. Um, other things that I predicted my son would not see in his lifetime: uh, slow booting computers. Oh. oh no, he's seen some slow booting computers. <laughs> I predicted he computers he would all every computer he saw would boot in one or two, one to two seconds, while boot times are much faster than than they were. He absolutely has to watch things boot up, including phones and tablets. Mm-hmm. Another area where I really had it wrong, and I'm glad I had it wrong too, because I I like windowed operating systems. Yeah, but at the at the time with Windows 8, there seemed to be a trend of yeah, we're going to try and get rid of Windows and just have people using touch screens. And so I thought, okay, windowed operating systems, you just are going to go away and you're going to have, everything's going to be kind of a touchscreen experience without actual Windows. Not not true at all. People still continue to use windowed operating systems a lot. And uh, I'm glad because I like them a lot better. Uh, another thing I said he would not use, and this is on the border because he probably pr- ha- pretty much hasn't used them, are physical, are, are mechanical hard drives. Yeah. Uh, his computer doesn't have it. My computer doesn't have it. Uh, but he did at one time have an Xbox and a PlayStation that had 
<laughs> physical hard drives sure. in them. So if you want to, if you want to count that, but, but, uh, he does not use he does not use it. Another item on my list, which was not keeping track, uh, not thinking about a pandemic happening, was, was movie theaters. If if we yeah. were if we were doing this exact segment thirteen months ago, we'd be laughing about the about the idea of of movie theaters being gone. And here we are sitting here yeah. today going, wow, a movie theater. AMC's on the brink of, brink of bankruptcy. I still, I still think, I mean, I like going to the movie theater, so I'm not rooting. By the way, these predictions are not things I was rooting for. The mm -hmm. I like going to the movie theater, but I still think that the movie theater, all, you know, concerns about pandemics aside, like let's say there's no more pandemic in a year. I still, I still think the future of movie theaters is very dim for the reasons that I said nine years ago. It's just yeah. taking longer, which is that the quality of home home entertainment has gotten better. Going to movie theater is expensive and a hassle, and it hasn't gotten any better. And there's more and more, uh, more and more companies that are sending their their newest movies straight to streaming straight to video and that is really what's going to accelerate it because yeah. the the theater chains had a lot of power up until this year so they were do they were preventing they were preventing companies from doing simultaneous video on demand or streaming releases along with a, a theater release but now they can't do that so the question is interesting like what's going to happen What's going to happen when there's no longer, hopefully, there's no longer a pandemic? Are we going to go back to theater exclusivity windows that we put down? I don't know. I still, now, on the other hand, without what I think we've also learned over the last year is without theater, without theaters to prop them up, these movies don't make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So, so we got to kind of root for the movie theater if we want people to keep making three hundred million dollar movies. Yeah, and I because they might not find it profitable. And I think the you know the conversation that we had uh, a while back uh, when AMC first announced that they may not make it through the end of the quarter, um, which by the way, them taking advantage of the whole GameStop uh, uh, Wall Street bets thing to. Uh, to turn put their own stock back on the market to avoid bankruptcy was brilliant, but <laughs> they should sell an NFT. <laughs> yeah, for their logo maybe. Um, but I I think what we said then, you know, that the megaplex may shrink back down to a more an art house style uh, or a or a, a movie palace type environment. But yeah, I I think. I think what we've known as the movie theater uh, is going to change significantly, if not be uh, eradicated. Yep. Uh, that's the truth. So I have a lot of items on this list and I do plan to do an actual story soon on uh, closer to the anniversary of it, which would be April 11th. Uh, but uh, one more, one more thing I will say is I will talk about is phone numbers. Will he ever dial a phone number? 
Probably not. Will phone numbers as a medium continue to exist? I guess they haven't gone away, but nobody re- nobody memorizes them, and yeah. people are using other forms of communication that accomplish the same thing as phone dialing. Uh, so the, I do still question the future of phone numbers. If you in the age of of the internet and video calls and things like that. I mean, he, he talks to people all the time, but he will call them on, on messenger. So, you know, I don't know our phone numbers. Do people even need phone numbers anymore? Yeah. And for a lot of things you, you still are asked for one and they are kind of definitive and universal. Whereas other, everything else you use is tied to some provider like Facebook or, Mm-hmm. or Microsoft or something, but, um, the, I think, I, I think the future for phone numbers is not, is not good. Yeah. Ag- agreed. Um, well, I've got to say the, the, uh, the, the look back at that article was a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, it's one of my favorite things that you ever put together, partially because, uh, you, set out nearly immediately to undermine yourself by handing him, (laughs) handing him things. Yeah, we didn't even get into that. We didn't, we didn't even get into the fact that I, that like when he was a newborn, people brought these, some of these things to the hospital and we took pictures of him like as a newborn, like holding a hard drive and a Blackberry and things like that. It was so so much fun. (laughs) I I yeah. so enjoyed watching you and your friends nearly immediately undermine your own premise by handing him the things in the article. Yeah. Oh, it made yeah. me so happy. But it 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 the one takeaway that I I have from all this though is technology changes slower than you think, and kids kids use it faster than you think. Mm. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, again, uh, a lot of fun and obviously the, the article is not up as of airing, yeah, we will, but we you will, will be doing it soon, right? We'll, we'll, we'll be doing it soon. Plus we will also be doing our 25 year, uh, anniversary of Tom's hardware, where we will compare what a computer was like 25 years ago to today. I'm still trying to see whether I can actually get a 25 year old top of the line computer so I can benchmark it, but I've realized that it's pretty far away from being able to run Windows 10. Yeah. Yes. Um, 1996, a 200. Um, XP would be the newest thing it could run, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It would have run Windows 95 at the time, but yeah, XP would be the newest thing that it could run. Yeah. Run today. X- XP at best. 2000 or Emmy Emmy at worst, but yeah, um, I might be able to help you out with that. So let me, let me search through what I've got. Uh, anyway, I, I look forward to all of that. Um, as, as our longtime, uh, listeners and viewers know, I've been a fan of Tom's hardware since long before you joined that brand. Um, I've, I've followed since long before we knew each other. Uh, and so it's it's going to be a lot of fun to to be there for the 25th 
<laughs> anniversary to see what you guys have up your sleeve. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And uh, I look forward to what we talk about next. This week's Extra Life and F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Get all the accessories you need to up your game on your PC, console, or mobile device from Razer. Whether you're looking for a gaming mouse and keyboard like we use here in the studio, uh, a webcam and light to up your Twitch stream, or an entire gaming setup, you can find it all at Razer by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. Um, so... Uh, if you've been around the gaming community in any meaningful way for a while, uh, but in particular, the fighting game community, you know about Evo. Um, it's, um, it's something that, you know, one of our, one of our, um, guest hosts, uh, Alante has, has had an obsession with for years, uh, it was going on, um, Actually, while he ho- the last time he co-hosted with me, when uh, Avram took some time off, um, we <laughs> it was actually happening, and he was super excited. We had a screen up so he could watch during F Five Live. So just <laughs> just to put into perspective how big of a thing this is, um, we very infrequently have other things going on in the studio if it's not the Olympics. So uh, Evo was a big deal, and. Uh, this week, we found out that Sony has purchased the company behind Evo. Now, um, obviously, a, a lot of questions come out of this purchase because Evo is not platform-specific. Uh, in fact, one of the, the biggest parts of, of the community for a long time has been Super Smash Brothers, which is obviously Nintendo. And so the first question, of course, is is Sony going to close it up? The answer is a very definitive no. Sony has been very clear that they want to continue to run Evo as Evo. They want it to be an an unlocked, you know, non-platform specific uh, event, which is important. But if you go look at the details about uh, Evo Online 2021, you might panic a little bit, and that's okay because you'll notice that Smash Brothers is missing. Uh, but that's because uh, Melee was removed a couple of years ago and Ultimate has lag issues because of Switch Online. So because of that and it being an entirely online event, uh, Smash Brothers is missing. But it's not some big nefarious plot from Sony. They have committed to keeping the, uh, the competition platform agnostic, which I think is an important thing. Um, another important thing, and there's a couple of couple of facets to this part of it, um, is whether or not the co-founders will be involved. Now, there were a couple of co-founders of the organization, uh, and just as things were going weird in 2020, um, a story came out with an accusation against one of those co-founders of um, inappropriate behavior. We'll say that. Um, 
just to to keep YouTube happy with our content. Um, there was there were accusations of inappropriate uh, behavior. Uh, he then confirmed them on Twitter. Later deleted the tweet, though. In our article, we have a link to the uh, Wayback Machine where you can see what the tweet said. Um, he will not be involved because he was fired immediately after confirming what happened. Uh, he will not be coming back, which is good. Um, but the the other two, Tom and Tony Cannon, will continue to be an integral part of the community. Which, if you know anything about um, you know conventions and and competitions and tournaments and stuff like that, you know the the atmosphere, the culture of the of the events oftentimes comes from the top. And so losing those people would be uh, detrimental to maintaining the integrity of the event, which Sony has also said they are uh, very dedicated to. They want to maintain the integrity and the uh, the atmosphere of the events. So obviously they could be lying. They could change their minds in the future, but I suspect that that's not the case. I think they see this as a brand that has uh, a good reputation, especially since they acted so quickly last year. They've got a good reputation. They've got a solid community behind them. Um, the fighting game community can be a little toxic, and uh, I suspect we'll get comments about that here in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think everybody, even in the community, knows that it can get toxic pretty quick. But I think Sony recognizes that there's value here, especially as as esports broadcasts uh, improve. And uh, Evo is the most watched uh fighting game tournament in the world. So I think it makes sense that they yeah. want to be part of it. Yeah. Uh, it makes perfect sense to me. They want most brands, uh, most of the gaming brands want to do more to get into esports. Mm-hmm. They, they want to do more to be credible in the different esports subgroups like fighting. Mm-hmm. This is a good, idea for sony they need to make sure that they don't do anything to harm the 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 street cred of of evo yeah and hopefully hopefully they don't i mean different companies seem to take different approaches to things that they that they buy right yeah. some companies seem to like to buy things just to kind of swallow them whole facebook and then other companies uh yeah and then other companies buy things to sort of uh, let them run as they run best or find some synergies. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure uh, what Sony's track record is with these types of acquisitions, but you, they, you see things they, like... They've purchased game um, studios and let them continue to run almost independent. Um, so, I mean, there's... Sony has a track record in the gaming space, not so much other spaces, but in the gaming space of, of bringing in, in uh, brands and letting them maintain their autonomy. Um, I would say that the um, game streaming service was the major exception to that rule. I mean, you know, different companies do different things. Like you, you look at the hardware world, right? I don't know how many years ago it was that Dell bought Alienware, Alien. Mm-hmm. Alienware, for those who don't remember, used to be an independent company, but and they're they're highly integrated behind the scenes, but they're still like Alienware people 
there, mm -hmm. right? There's still uh, people who really focus on Alienware. In fact, from what I've seen is that they've taken the DNA of Alienware and infused it into some of the other other things that they do. Agreed. And then you take the opposite, the opposite, which is when HP acquires something and it just becomes kind of gradually turned into HP, mm -hmm. which is what happened with like Voodoo, where they bought Voodoo used to be a boutique, uh, boutique gaming company. They bought Voodoo and first it was this HP thing with Voodoo DNA inside and then they just forgot about the, the whole thing or, um, right. So, or, or Palm, the one that hurt or Palm. me the most. Right. And now uh, a few weeks ago, HP said they're going to acquire HyperX. So how long do you give the Hyper the HyperX brand before it's just HP Omen Gaming, right? So just part of HP Omen Gaming. So, you know, there's, there's different companies who seem to have a different philosophy about how they're going to deal with brands that they've acquired. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see how Sony treats if Sony lives up to its word. Yeah. Let, let's hope because, you know, Evo has has a lot of credibility in the space. They've been around for long enough, and uh, they seem to respond to problems quickly and correctly. So all of that, all of that is is a positive in their in their corner. It would be nice to see Evo, which has amazing production value, um, what they can do with the resources of Sony and PlayStation behind uh, behind them. So. Uh, I suspect that uh, obviously 2021 is not going to look any different because it's still an online thing. But in 2022, I suspect that it will be distinctly different visually than 2019. So fingers crossed. <laughs> This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities. It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends. And to find out about all of the movies that are available... Uh, both full-length features and short films, plus TV episodes and live events, you can go to f5live.tv slash rifttracks with an X. Now, first we're going to start with a... Uh, we got two topics uh, to talk about in, in uh, News from the Tubes this week. Uh, first, a quick update on some interestingness that happened in the Facebook Apple privacy feud that we've been talking about for a couple of months. Um, iOS 14.5 is going to introduce uh, ATT, a new feature that will uh, allow uh, users to deny uh, tracking capabilities to apps. Facebook has been very vocal against this idea because it cuts to the heart of their business model um, and Zuckerberg in particular has been very vocal about um, his dislike. If you run a Facebook page and have been to your Facebook uh, page manager, um, you have seen a thing across the top of your uh, your management page that is like a, an uh-oh from Facebook saying, 
Apple's about to screw things up for you. So they've been trying to get some some uh, kind of grassroots support from their, their page managers. And Apple does not care. They are not interested in any of this. It's coming, like it or not. And this week, in a clubhouse um, chat, Zuckerberg changed his tune and said, yeah, Facebook's going to be fine. In fact, we think this is going to be good for us. Which is the opposite of what he's been saying. Uh, he now believes, or at least has said, that he believes that this move will actually drive more people to spend more time on Facebook's uh, properties, which I don't know is true. Um, and I don't entirely understand the reasoning behind it, but it's definitely an interesting tact uh, coming from him to kind of change the narrative all at once like this. Well, look, we talked about Google a couple of weeks ago do, doing something to limit third party to eliminate third party cookies mm-hmm. while keeping its own abilities to get data from you as a first party on all the Google services you use. So Facebook probably realizes that it's in a very strong position, no matter it's in a stronger position than a lot of other companies. Mm-hmm. And doesn't look good it's not a good look to say things that are against um you know against privacy at this point yeah uh he does he did go on to say that he believed that uh small businesses and developers would be the um the people hit hardest by this which has been the 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 refrain right that's the reason why there was a message on facebook page uh managers um, ab- about this change was um, because because there's been a lot of talk about about the effect on small businesses and developers. Um, but now now he thinks that Facebook's going to be good. And you're right; it's probably an optics thing, uh, so it doesn't look like Facebook, who has its own public image issue with privacy, is arguing against. Uh, Apple's major push for user privacy. So, I, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Um, so, so we just wanted to follow up on that real quick. The other interesting topic that uh, that Avram uh, brought this week is um, an interesting law out of Utah about content filtering on mobile devices. Yeah, so Utah wants to crack down on adult content on on any mobile device that is sold in the state. It's actually not 100% clear whether it's sold in the state or activated in the state, but uh, the legislature there has passed a bill called HB 72 and the governor is deciding whether or not he wants to sign it, that would mandate uh, that all f- all phones come with uh, adult filter, content filters turned on by default. Now, apparently you'd be able to ask for a code to, a code to disable, to disable the, these filters that are on by default what's really not clear is what would what would run afoul of the filter and what what wouldn't uh 
the, yeah. the the law says that the wording is weird, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, content is can include any description or representation of, uh, you know, adult content that doesn't have artistic, political, or scientific value for minors. But what does that mean? Yeah, right. Like because the quote from the bill says automatically enable a filter capable of blocking material that's harmful to minors. Well, right. The state of California believes that lead is harmful to minors. So what are we talking? (laughs) The the wording is not great. Right. It's it's another. I mean, when you start to try to define this stuff now, Google. I mean, there are there are adult filter content filters in available to parents right now. Mm-hmm. Enabling them by default means that everybody else has to go turn them off. Now, if you're thinking of this as oh, you know, this is going to be some you know really really uh, you know adult stuff. I don't care. I don't use that stuff. But we don't. The problem is right now we don't really know what what constitutes harmful content for minors right is you know is reading about is reading about like artwork you know is looking at right. uh, at nude statues from ancient greece going to going to trigger the filter right is i mean i guess we could say that has artistic value for minors but that's what we say. What does the filter say? Who's maintaining it? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a very slippery slope. And then it also creates a really awkward situation for the device manufacturers to have to have a different version of their phones for once for a state. Yeah. Now, to be fair, the state of Utah has at least given that some thought and said that the law won't go into effect unless four other states allow it. Uh, I passed similar laws, which so far nobody knows, knows uh, whether any other state is is planning this. So it may never, even if they sign into law, it may never happen. At least they're thinking that if they're going to inconvenience everyone in the, I guess, food chain of, of, uh, you know, of sales and, and, uh, then that they're going to at least have four other states inconvenien- inconveniencing them also. Because think about this. You you order from T-Mobile. T-Mobile has to have like a different stack of like Utah phones. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean. It reminds me, interestingly, it reminds me a little bit of, of what's happening in Russia right now. Um, because Russia required that um, that all phones sold in Russia come pre-installed with uh, certain Russia-made apps for messaging and news and, you know, all the propaganda stuff. And we know famously that Apple does not bundle anything on their phones. It's their stuff, and you can like it or leave it. And uh, Apple built a special version of the onboarding process uh, for iPhones for Russia to uh, pre-install these apps. So, well, they the Russia the, is 
the manufacturers a large market. Oh, absolutely. But the fact that Apple was willing to play the game, there's been a lot of talk about um, because even though I may have forgotten to include this in the rundown for tonight, I did do research on this while I had a little bit of downtime. And there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, comparisons between the two and the fact that Apple has has shown its hand a little bit that it is willing to bow to some some political pressure on on sales capability. So uh, so yeah, in, in the past Apple would have said, well, maybe we just won't sell phones there, but they've they've definitely like shown their hand a little bit that they that they will respond to political pressure, which a year ago I may have said, I don't know what Apple might do. <laughs> they may pull a Google and say, sorry Spain, Google News is done. <laughs> and now I don't know what they might do. I mean, do. it's depending on what, how you, how significant, how like the law is kind of vague about what's harmful, mm -hmm. depending on whether it's a hassle for Apple to enable that filtering. I mean, there are filters already available to people. Yeah. So if it's just, Hey, we're going to enable, we're going to by default enable the existing filters, then I guess it's not that big a deal for them to do it, mm -hmm. but they still have to maintain a separate inventory of phones. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you and I in, in messages throughout the week discussed this a little bit and, you know, the UK has a similar law to this, except they did it at the ISP side and not at the hardware side, which seems more practical to me um, than trying to, to add capabilities to certain and a variety of devices. Cause I mean, how, how many manufacturers are we talking about that, that sell internet right. enabled devices? It makes way more sense to have done what, and you know, we, we're not even going to get into the, the, the legal ramifications and the fact that this would likely get struck down at the Supreme court anyway. But, um, the the idea of basically asking Comcast and Charter and T-Mobile and Verizon and AT and T um, to have a an, a default on content filter on the ISP side that users can ask to have turned off makes way more sense than asking Apple and Motorola and HTC and Blue and you know, dozens yeah. of yeah, manufacturers also, to try and have special inventory of their hardware for one right, state. Right. See, yeah. Also, I mean, what if you like Apple, Apple would probably do it because Apple's, Apple's a big, big enough company to, to do it. And they probably sell enough phones in Utah and the other states to make it worth their while. But what happens if like I'm buying some no name tablet off of Amazon. Yeah. Now that, you know, I don't think that, that these no name tablet brands or some of which many, of which are imported from, from China or wherever, wow. like, I don't think they're going to bother creating Utah versions of their stuff. Right. So is that's going to effectively maybe not, if I was a resident of one of these States, not allow me to buy certain electronics. Right. Which means that on top of everything else, now Amazon, Best Buy and Walmart, have to have 
uh, have to know whether or not shipping policy. Yeah. Whether or not this product violates Utah's internet content laws. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that side of Every sales. Yeah. That's the thing. First of all, Amazon would have to have separate, like if separate inventory, Mm -hmm. then they would have to kind of build into their system. Okay. This person is in Utah. Uh, Is this phone Utah compatible? Right. Before I, you know, Utah ready or whatever. Is there, or is there, yeah. Is it Utah ready or is there a Utah specific skew for this product? If not, I can't show it to them. Oh, craziness. Right. You see, that's, yeah, that's, that's, it's such an imposition on, on commerce. And if you're going to, at least at the ISP level, that would be kind of foolproof. On the other hand, again, parents have the ability to use Absolutely. parental filters. Absolutely. You don't have to make to automatically be a parent to every adult and decide what they can watch. Right. Give, let the, I mean, listen, I'm a parent, like, Years ago, when we had this conversation, I would have been like, "Hey, look, you know, you got to teach your kids not to, not to visit certain websites, whatever." Now that I have a kid, I know that, like, "Hey, look, they're going to get into things. They're going to get onto the websites. They're going to get onto the internet." So, you know, you probably should try to set up things to prevent them from stumbling sure. onto stuff they're not ready and, to see. And you know, American but, American Dad did a great job of of highlighting that problem where Steve's trying to do a um a report on dinosaurs and he does like a simple Google search and half the results are about dinosaurs and half the results are adult content. You never know what seemingly innocuous <laughs> search term is going to return something bonkers. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel like Google has gotten better about this in the last few years. I don't often end up no. I don't know. You, you face like no. I don't remember what I searched for this week. I don't go to Google often, but I wasn't getting what I needed on Bing, and so I went over to Google and um the results were way weirder over there. I don't remember what it was. It was just some guy's name and uh and like a tech product or maybe a BBC TV show. And um, yeah, there was a lot of lesbian content that came up and I could not quite figure out why. <laughs> Cause it was definitely a man's name. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just remember in the, you know, in the nineties, it was like oh, yeah. half the things you would get would be, you know, uh, would a, be adult. A, so attack of the show famously opened uh, one of their segments by saying 97% of the internet is porn. Let's look at the other 3%. And it was because of that in particular. Right. Now I feel like it, it's not as big a problem as it yeah, was, but I yeah, agree. sure. Like parents turn on, turn on the filters. If you're perhaps even if you are selling something, although I don't know, you wouldn't know that you were selling something. If you're T-Mobile or whatever, you wouldn't know you're selling a phone to a minor because the parents buy it like right. that's right that that's how it works you just add a line so i so i think you know i mean by all means let's make it easier for parents to turn on filters for sure for sure but yeah this is this is definitely weird um the i i see that the aclu of utah has already has already challenged it 
Um, and there's no way that even with the thing not going into effect immediately, there's no way this doesn't get challenged several times over. Like we, we like we talked about with uh, something else in another state uh, a couple weeks ago. I don't remember what state. And we had a similar weird environment. Um, there's no way it doesn't get get kicked up to the Supreme Court because there's only two two courts that can hear it. There's what a federal federal appellate and then uh, then the Supreme Court. So <laughs> I I suspect that this will make it to the Supreme Court pretty quick because um, there's so many. I I'm not even a lawyer, despite how many emails I get to participate in uh, legal conferences. Um, <laughs> there's so many challenges that I can see uh, possible here. So well, the digital ad tax, that's the other one yes. that we were talking about. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, this, this is going to be, this is going to be interesting to, uh, to, to watch for sure. This week's DRM not included in F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. You know, you get free shipping, but you get a whole lot more for your subscription. You get free music with Amazon Prime Music. You get free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video. You get free games and a free Twitch subscription with Amazon Prime Gaming. And you get a whole lot more on top of that. We've got a list of some of our favorite features with quick links to access them because they're not always easy to find. Uh, plus a 30-day free trial of Amazon Prime if you're not already a subscriber and the ability to give it as a gift all available by going to f5live.tv slash prime. So we don't often talk about sports uh, on on the show because they don't normally uh, factor into the tech world. But this week, that has changed a little bit with the NFL reaching a more than $100 billion agreement uh, for broadcast rights for the games from 2023 through 2033, so 10 full seasons. Um, and in that collection, um, you've, of course, got your normals, right? NBC, ABC, slash ESPN, uh, CBS, Fox, slash Fox Sports all have their, their, uh, their rights to do things. But... Streaming has become a huge part of of the world. Either the NFL has recognized that the streaming world has a lot of power right now, or they uh, recognize that people were not watching their games on television uh, this year, even though everybody was home. People still didn't watch their games with uh, the Super Bowl showing that it's best. Uh, it was the lowest ratings for a Super Bowl in almost 15 years. Um, so, not great. So, there's a lot of streaming capability here. In fact, um, Comcast slash NBC Universal uh, will be able to stream the games that they have the rights to on Peacock. Um, CBS Viacom has the ability to stream the games that they have the rights to 
through Paramount Plus. Uh, Fox Sports uh, has the ability to stream through Tubi, which is even more surprising than the other two. But the big milestone is that uh, Amazon Prime, well, Amazon has uh, exclusive rights to Thursday Night Football, which of course is the least watched of all the NFL brand, but it is still the first time that a streaming service has had exclusive rights to anything in the NFL. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal right there. And we're going to be seeing NFL games, uh, Thursday Night Football, show up on both Amazon Prime Video and Twitch, uh, which they piloted this past season uh, and apparently did well enough that uh, it's not just going to continue, but it's going to expand. It, it definitely shows uh, f- from, from earlier, you were talking about movie theaters, it definitely shows the, uh, the, the power of, of streaming right now and, and how much is happening over there. The power of Amazon. Yeah, yeah, certainly the power of Amazon. <laughs> it's like yet another, yet another. Th- I mean, this is going to be available to anybody with Prime, right? Yep. Uh, but it's so, also going to be available on Twitch, so you could watch it without without a subscription. Oh uh, yeah. Well, there there you go. I mean, they're they're trying to build up their brands. I mean. Not that Amazon needs any help, but it's yet another area of your life that Amazon can get into mm-hmm. uh, is is broadcasting live sporting events. What is that? You know, I wonder if that at some point is going to become meaningful for Netflix. That's the, I mean, is that the only, oh, Netflix and HBO Max, I think are the only ones you didn't mention major, oh, Hulu, I guess, but. Hulu is connected to the other Hulu, to the network. So Hulu is Disney. Uh, theoretically, um, theoretically, Disney, ABC. ABC, ESPN would have not uh, would have the ability on on Hulu. I didn't I didn't see it called out specifically anywhere, but I can't imagine that Disney is the only that ESPN is the only brand <laughs> that doesn't have the ability because right. they've already been streaming through ESPN Plus. They've streamed stuff for a while, so. See, I think I think this may put Netflix on notice. We'll have to to see Maybe. whether net whether Netflix feels like now they have to have live events because I don't think there's anything that Netflix has that is a live event. Nope, nothing that I can think of. I can't think not, of not, not even, just not sports, but not anything. Yeah, even the even the shows that on broadcast may have been done live in the past at some point aren't. Uh, they're all pre-recorded, um, you know, talk shows and things like that. Not, not that many of those are done live these days anymore, even on broadcast. But things that at some point in their past were live aren't live over there either. So, yeah, I don't think there's anything that's ever been live on Netflix. So I think we're starting to see. I think this is part of a trend of we're starting to see more live events. Uh, more live events go to streaming services, and if we see this, then maybe we also will see other sports. And, you know, what are some of the other things that people really want to see, need to see live? Sports is something where you really need to see it live because, right. like, you don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I hope, well, don't tell me what happened. I'm going to watch this now. Mm-hmm. I hope he, I hope they had one before I watched this. 
Yeah, uh, because so, I mean, you you and I can remember a time not that long ago on our show where Nick would say at the beginning of our our production meeting before we go live, um, the the Giants are playing today during the show. If anybody says anything, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and he would he would even say at the beginning of of the live show because somebody might comment in the chat hey did you see and he would because he would have to watch it not live because that's not one of the things that we would run in the sh- in the studio because he would get distracted <laughs> we tried right we tried once it didn't work <laughs> <laughs> so Anyway, yeah, I can I can see I can see this again more more live events moving to streaming services. Yeah. Hey, wait, that's another thing that movie theaters are going to have a problem with because movie theaters were, have been trying with their Fathom events mm-hmm. to not it's usually not sports that they're doing with Fathom events. I think it's usually things like the opera or whatever. But um, R- they have R- Rift Tracks Live. Yeah, comes through Fathom. So. <laughs> Yeah, and not yet another yet another nail in the coffin of of, uh, of theaters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And although I will say to go back to our our Evo conversation on movie theaters, since apparently we're tying everything together tonight, um, uh, movie theaters physically, uh, the theater themselves are actually really great for um, small and medium scale uh, uh, esports competitions because they've already got the infrastructure for. Uh, displaying the games with your projector since most theaters have gone digital. Um, and so we're starting to see theaters uh, start putting some thought and some energy into uh, into that. So they, they've got some ideas um, of, of being able to actually host the tournament in the theater, which I think is kind of cool. It's apparently really popular yeah. in South Korea. Well, I mean... That would be that was what theaters were for before movies, right? People would go to theater to see a live event. Yep. Uh, maybe maybe the future of movie theaters is actually having more theater. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's there's certainly no telling there, but um, this this definitely is is a bolster to the the live streaming platforms. Um, I'm not going to lie, Amazon Prime Video hasn't necessarily been known for live events itself. Um, on its channels, it has right, but not on Amazon Prime Video itself. Um, except for they did have that relationship with Fox Sports this year. The big, the big thing is that with them taking over Thursday Night Football, it means that Amazon's going to have to get into the live sports production business, not just the streaming business, which is going to be really interesting um, because they don't have Fox Sports uh, supporting them this time. It's going to be all them since they did uh, take Thursday night football out from under <laughs> out from under Fox. So they're not going to help for sure. So, so is Alexa going to give, give play by play? That would be fascinating. Wouldn't it? Um, the things that they yeah. did. So they did have one exclusive game in this past season and uh, they did some interesting things um, on prime. So both services had unique things. Twitch obviously was Twitch. Right. There's the social nature of Twitch and the ability to comment and have a, a chat going with a lot of people all at once, which is obviously something that is 
very unique to Twitch. You don't get that on on NBC, right? Uh, you and you certainly can't chat with Chris Collinsworth while the game is going on. But on Twitch, um, they had um, a couple of ex NFL players as part of the thing, and they were chatting in the Twitch chat when they weren't speaking publicly. So you're not going to do that with Chris Collinsworth. Um, but on on Amazon Prime Video, they had a number of commentary options, uh, not just the ones from Fox Sports, including um, an, uh, uh, a female duo, and there, there were a bunch of options. Alexa might make an appearance in there. I don't know. It would be kind of fun to see. <laughs> To see that in action. My guess is it's going to be completely unique. Um, and that will be fun to see some some kind of new ideas infused into NFL broadcasting. And that's almost certainly what we're going to get here. So we do have to wait until the 2023 season, though. So we've got a little bit of time before all this kicks in. But I do suspect that the Fox Sports relationship with Amazon Prime and Twitch will likely continue uh, through the through the end of, of this current deal. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. If you didn't and would like to in the future, Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us, chat with us in the studio, and give us your feedback as we discuss the topics. If you're not able to join us live, that's okay plughitslive.com slash subscribe. You can see all of our shows, F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and of course, a whole lot more. Um, we, It was good to be back. Uh, hopefully, nothing gets in our way uh, going forward for a little while. Fingers crossed uh, that we will, we will have a regular schedule for a little while. So, with that, oh, um, there is a possibility that at the end of next month we may have a week off, but that's because the studio is going to be busy for something else. But we will talk about that if it happens. So, uh, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avon. And we will see you back next time. Ciao.